a Podcast One production. If it's just about power or fame and you're not really doing anything worthwhile with it, that's the ambition that people really shy away from, don't want to be part of. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX-listed companies. And this is Fast Track. On this episode, how to be ambitious and not annoying. My guest is Rhonda Brighton-Hall, global HR professional with over 30 years experience. She knows exactly the fine line between ambition and derailing self-interest. It's rare to see anyone succeed without ambition. However, being too ambitious can lead to being known as someone who's really annoying and self-interested. So the challenge is, how do we get it right? I'm going to ask and explore three points around why ambition is good, why it can be a derailer, and how do we get the magic right? Rhonda couldn't think of anyone better to ask the next question. Ambition is seen as a dirty word by some and a great quality by others, which is true. Both. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's absolutely both. And it, it is really tricky because you, you have to have ambition to be successful. Not ambition, ruthless, I'm going to knock everyone out of the way, that sort of crazy ambition. But you have to have ambition to do something, to achieve something, to be able to do it at a senior level, at a competitive level. But if that's all you're about, just being successful, then people sort of see straight through that. So that's sort of the balance of what are you ambitious about and why? What are you trying to achieve? And once you've got that right and it's within a context of I want to achieve this impact or I want all of us to achieve this purpose, that's actually pretty cool. But if you just, I just want the next big job title, then that's quite a boring conversation for anyone other than your mother and perhaps even your mother. So if I'm hearing bad ambition is competitive, self-interest, is that how you would describe bad ambition? It's almost ambition without purpose. Okay. I would describe it more like that. So Tell if you've got, more. if your purpose is we're trying to achieve this goal or I personally want to do this in my life or I want to have this impact on society or people around me or my team, this is actually quite a good ambition that other people can come with you. And if you're leading, that's what you want, other people to say, wow, that what they're trying to achieve is worthwhile. I want to be there too. Or as if it's just like, I just want to achieve these personal goals that I've got for myself, really don't care what happens to you. That's a raw ambition. Everyone else goes, what? Yeah. You said before, though, people can see right through it. Can they? I think they can over time. So I think a person that sort of goes, this is my purpose, I'm trying to achieve it. And then you look at their back catalogue and say, yeah, that has been what they've been doing. And you look back at the last team that they led or the team before that, and you say, yeah, the people on that team are doing well and they're all still towards that purpose. This is actually aligned to the words. But if your actions are actually, I burn through that team, achieve a personal goal of a job title or something other inane power structure sort of thing and dump the team, get a new one, then burn through them and get another one, that becomes apparent pretty quickly. Like you would, by the time you hit, you say, 35th birthday or something like that, people would see that pattern. So if they're they're thoughtful and uh, the more you go into an organisation, the more thoughtful people will be about watching how you lead and your impact on other people. So at that point, I think people see who you really are. 
And the behaviour that we're looking out for, for someone who's self-interested, ambitious? I think you're looking at a lack of achievement that's good for the, for the collective good. So if you're looking at someone who's just got, wow, look at their speedy um, shooting star career title change, as opposed to, wow, look at that back catalogue of really great work or great achievements or great impact on other people, great teamwork, great organisational impact. These things become apparent quite quickly. You only have to do, you know, two, three years in a job and you can actually have a very positive impact. If that then adds up to a really great career over time, people trust it. They go, yeah, that's what they're trying to do and I get that, I want to be part of it. Whereas if it's just, wow, leaps around really quickly every six months and really doesn't leave much done, then that's sort of a raw ambition that people aren't really trusting. Mm. So the squeaky wheel gets the grace, we're told, the one who says, this is what I want to do. Can I do it again? Can I do it again? (laughs) And someone you and I both know, Graham Peterson, once said that he was tired of young people jumping out from behind cupboards saying, look, Graham, I tied my shoelaces every day. (laughs) And it always stuck with me because he'd said, I'm there to help and develop people, but stop being so annoying and telling me about what you want all the time. Yeah, what, yeah. what are your thoughts around this balance, around, you know, telling people what you want? <laughs> I don't know if there's a formula for it, but certainly if you have 10 conversations with your boss or one of the really senior leaders, you'd only want one of them to be about you and your career. The others would be about what you're trying to achieve, how you're helping, uh, what part of the team you are, how you're collectively part of everything. I think it, that sort of ratio, about 10%, would probably be right on the tipping point. Oh, I <laughs> Otherwise like it. it's like, oh, high maintenance person talking about their own career again. Okay. And there's no balance to that conversation. So when people sit down, like if you go into a really big senior talent conversation and everybody knows about the work you're doing or how you've supported other people or the team or the impact on others, that's a great conversation, all different angles to it that people have perceived you from. But if all they see or all they've heard from you is, I'm super ambitious. It's like, wow, um, I don't know anything else to say. And so that conversation becomes quite stark really quickly. As a leader with such a a renowned career as you've had, are there any examples that come to mind about the ambition and annoying balance? Uh, There's good and bad ambition. So I've seen the conversation um, when you're talking about people on their way up and, and the conversation is, w- what have they achieved? And, the, and they actually have had so little time in each role because they're so quite ruthlessly moving up the hierarchy that there isn't something to talk about. There isn't, wow, that project they did, which was a really difficult turnaround, tough team, tough environment, tough context, they really dug in and achieved that. That's a great conversation. And out of that comes another set of conversations like, wow, it showed great resilience. It showed absolute commitment. It showed an absolute respect for people and the legacy that they had in the organisation already. So they didn't sort of ride in and boss everyone around. They actually took people with them. So the work will actually bring a very good qualitative conversation about what's good about you. Having said that, I've seen somebody who has all those things and really beautiful ambition and the right level of commitment, really working hard, achieving great things. And the question that comes out is something like, are you sure they're mature enough? And you go, what does that mean? And so there's also this conversation that we have where people who've got, and and I wanted to bring this into the conversation because I think it's realistic, is there's a conversation where people who all have a very high degree of privilege, when they're sitting together in a very senior team, 
they assumed that everybody else had all the rungs of the ladder that they were gifted, gifted to everybody. And so they'll be quite hard on people who've had to scramble up that ladder. So you do need to know who's with you as well. You need to know who's around you, who's supporting you, who can coach you and mentor you into the language and the tone of the organisation. And it might sound like a small thing, but if you get that wrong, you can come across as an edgy, ambitious person, even though your style and impact on people could be incredibly positive. So does ambition look different in 2019 than it did in, say, 1980? (laughs) I'm not sure there's an actual difference, but... We do have an increasing awareness of our context. And so people talk about culture and context much more than they used to, especially in Australia. So in Australia, we have this real thing about tall poppies. So to be successful, you have to be one, but don't act like one. So it's a little bit of a So do you think that's gap. really, you, you're a very experienced culture person. Do you really believe that's true in Australia very about true. the tall poppy? Yes. I've only seen two countries where it's really, really are predominantly part of culture. One of them is Australia, where everybody who pops their head up a little bit above the pulpit's knocked down. And the other one is the Netherlands. And they have a saying in, in Dutch, of course, but it says, the tall trees catch the breeze. And it means exactly the same thing. And so you're expected to be part of the collective and impacting the collective really positively, but don't put your head up too high, just a little bit high. Uh, so having said that, within that context, It is about achieving something, about impact and goals, not just a grab for sort of 1980s Gordon Gecko power, that sort of way of looking at that old old, um, decade. It was considered to be a really good characteristic to be deeply ambitious in the 80s, in my memory. (laughs) And we did. We had all our movies and that was what it was about. But then, you know, we've had a couple of financial crises since then and people realise that it's a much more mature balance. Mm. So... Where if I'm hearing you correctly, ambition is right and a good thing for work, but actually only if you've got the right advice and sponsorship and if you're actually reading the organisation correctly and if you're operating in a group context rather than just about yourself. I think it's, yes, I think you have to have ambition to have the self-discipline the commitment, the time. These these are patient games, long careers. You don't build a career in two years. You build a career over a decade or two decades or more. And so you do need the patience to be hardworking, achievement-orientated. And so that takes ambition to be that disciplined about yourself. But it has to be about what you're actually achieving. You need this body of work that can talk for itself and, and that's a super important piece. If it's just about power or fame and you're not really doing anything worthwhile with it, that's the ambition that people really shy away from, don't want to be part of. So, Rhonda, what would you recommend to people that they, how they view their ambition, how they corral it and curate the best version of their career? Looking at what you want to achieve and why and really deeply appreciating what that might cost. Because even though we talk a lot about, you know, you can have everything you want, you just have to work really hard and everything else, it doesn't quite work like that. So you've got to make sure that I might want to go on an overseas assignment because I want that in my life, which is a really wonderful thing. I equally want to dig in deep to the networks of Australia and rise up in this social context within my profession. If you want to do both, they trade off a little bit about each other, against each other. And I think that's a way to look at ambition too. What do you actually want to achieve? Why? 
and then put it in an order that's important to you. And it might be, I want to achieve that because it has this impact on other people's lives, which is very positive and I really want to do that. Or it might be, I also want this balance in my life where I get to see the world or I get to work in different industries or meet different people. And so that's also really valuable too. And ultimately over life, those two things come back together. But you've got a quilt you've got to make, not just one square at a time, but as they all add into each other. Mm. So it's a thoughtful plan is probably a better way to put it. I like the idea of thinking about humility as being the secret source yes. to ambition. Yes. What's your view? Super, super important. And I think it's important in life. I think there's two factors that are really valuable uh, in a career and they're probably in all life. And one of them is humility, this awareness of yourself and where you fit. And there's a really beautiful psychological construct called Kruger-Dunning effect. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's basically, it's, it's proven that the smarter you are, the more you understand you're probably not the smartest person in the room. And now we've started to apply that to diversity and inclusion. And people who think they're brilliantly inclusive are actually not as inclusive as people who know they have biases and are constantly in check with it. So humility keeps you in check. Humility keeps you going. There's smarter people than me around the world. There's more inclusive people. There are people who are more better, whatever it happens to be. And I'm constantly going to grow and push myself to be better because I know I'm falling a little bit short. So people who don't have that self-awareness always feel that they've arrived. So humility keeps you in check, keeps you growing, keeps you thinking there's somewhere to grow and move to. So that's the first one is humility. And the second piece of it is generosity. So when you find someone who's a, one of those leaders that people really love, even if they're incredibly successful, they always have time for people. They always have space for people. They're always happy to give you a hand. And I think people who are ambitious and achieving a lot, but also generous, lifting others up, helping them, supporting them, people will sign up to that a lot more than just I'm on my way and I'm too busy to stop for you. And you'll hear the expressions. I remember one leader said to me, you've got to be really careful you don't waste your time with people who can't help you. And I thought, wow, that's, <laughs> that's ice cold. Like that's really ruthless way to spend your time. Now, will they be more successful than me in life? Perhaps, <laughs> but I'll be much happier. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you're describing yourself. I've had a lot to do with you and your generosity, humility and your ambition is really clear and that mix has been a bit of a magic source in my view. I've always said the humility doesn't mean you've got low aspirations and some people believe that that's true, that humility is about standing back quietly in the corner. Yeah. It's not, is it? No. And it's interesting. I think people with really good humility are so good at lifting other people up because they see this fundamental understanding that all of us have complicated and interesting lives and we should be lifting each other up. And so we want to be with people like that, that have the humility to understand that my life or your life is just as important as their very important life, that we need space for us as well. And that's that generosity and space that they make that I think people just gravitate towards that. So people who have humility and generosity together naturally attract a great group or a band of people around them that will sponsor them, support them, help them and lift them up as well. So, so they don't have to do all the heavy lifting of their own ambition. No. And when you have that six month when your life goes totally rocky, someone also just put their hand under you and go, I got you. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Tricky question here. How do we tell somebody 
who's over-indexed on the ambition and has become annoying? I would just tell them. Okay, straight up, <laughs> name the game. Yeah, so I, but I'm quite famous for that. Like if, if my um, role in your life and we're, if I'm your boss or if I'm your peer and I feel that I've got something that's useful to you, I'll give it to you. And so if so, I see someone who's fabulous in so many regards but they're getting a reputation for being the sort of person who just the only conversation you ever have about them is their career, to tell them that is absolutely valuable. Like to sit down for a cup of coffee and say, look, think you're great love what you're trying to do, this is the feedback from a couple of people that that's the only conversation you're famous for is how can I get ahead? And so don't have that conversation until you've had a lot more conversations about what you've actually achieved. That's a much different conversation about what I'm doing, how I can support people, the impact on my team, the work around you. And maybe when you're sort of overplaying that conversation about your own career, just don't talk about that for a little while. Just, just get the job done, keep your head down and get out of that game. I remember you telling me a story about somebody who'd sadly had to um, let a number of people go or sack people in a in a day and that they'd gone home sick because it was so difficult for them to do that. That's an example of someone who's lacking generosity, humility, making it all about them, yeah. too self-interested, would you say? It can be. It's a really interesting one because that role that some of us play sometimes, which is that role of, you know, we have to change the organisation, here's your part of the job, is you have to change the structure of this team or let people go. Um, it isn't about you. It's about how can you impact these people's, people's lives and what can you do? And I can remember one of the things that I had to do in my career, which was quite early and very quite painful really, mm. and I always tell leaders that the day you don't feel pain in sacking someone or making someone redundant, you're not really a leader anymore. You've lost the empathy for human beings. So um, what we had to do is we were closing a factory and the way to do that was here's the redundancy program, here's the policies, et cetera. Or you can go into that conversation and say with the people in the factory, there were 75 people, and we said, look, these, you know, the textile industry in Australia at the time was going offshore. We're going to close the factory at six months. For the next six months, we're going to work with you to get all of you the skill set required to go somewhere else and get a job. And when we closed that factory that afternoon, there were 72 of 75 people got new jobs and three that um, chose to retire with good retirement advice. So that was fine. But that's an example of the role you play sometimes is all about being relevant and helpful to other people and nothing to do with you. But what I learned from those people in terms of the graciousness and gratitude and everything else paid back in a hundredfold. It was a really wonderful experience to watch how how they grew and their resilience and wonderful strength to get through it. So some experiences aren't necessarily about your career and they're just about your personal growth and that's okay. Are you ambitious? I am purpose-driven ambitious <laughs> and I always have been. I fundamentally think that we could change the way we talk about people and culture in organisations. I, I fundamentally think we can do better than that. I think the way we've designed work is so old-fashioned and so odd and so lacking in empathy. So I'm absolutely ambitious to change that conversation. I have never cared about my job titles. So for the last 25 years, I always take my job title off my business card or on the bottom of my email, if you get an email from me, it will literally just say something like normal person or something like that. I just, I don't care about the job title, I just care about the work. And so I'm very ambitious about doing good work. So I am quite self-disciplined and I will work very hard and I love having people like that around me. And I want to change the way we talk about work and culture. Um, but do I care about the hierarchy? No. <laughs> a great example. What's the right way of behaving and 
How do you know if you're getting it right? It's such a great question and it's a question that so many people don't ask. So I would say the first thing that happens is it's working. So what you see when people have got the mixture wrong is they'll go out for a job or promotion, they'll fail, 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 and over three or four years they're frustrated and everything else and you go, you've got the mix wrong. Like you either need to do something better to be noticed more or you need to have a different conversation about your ambition and what your next step is, but something's missing in there. So I think it's about achieving the balance between doing great work so that you're worthy and competitive for that particular opportunity but also waiting to be given more opportunities and more chances to show that you can do something really special and impact others positively. So I think the secret to knowing when it works is it's working. And and sometimes when it's not working, you really have to look in the mirror because no one else is responsible for that. So your top three tips, things that you can help us with so we can be ambitious and successful without annoying anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think there are top four. Can I do top yeah, four? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> yes. That's not like you so, to do outside three, the box. No, no yes. more. So I think the top four are be very sure about what you want to achieve and why. So know the cost and make sure you want to pay that price because that's the first thing. Absolutely know what you're trying to achieve. Second one, and this is that diversity angle that we talked about before, know who's with you. You have to be surrounded by people who are honest and good for your soul, if that's the right way to put it with your best interest in mind, usually aligned to your purpose, you're helping them. That camaraderie, whole cohorts go up together, side by side, not individuals. And so the better people you can get with you is the better off you are. Third one would be knowing when to change your mind. So hold your purpose that you're really ambitious about, but choose a different path if the one you've got is being obstructed all the time. So you still can hold that purpose, just change path. And the fourth one is a life sort of one where I've seen people burn through really hard years of ambition and forget to live. And so that is about making every single day count, not just this day off in the distant future. So you wake up and your kids are 20 and you missed it. So it is about making it a purpose in your life, but not losing your life to the purpose. Like it very much has to be balanced with good things around you and good people as well. Such great advice. And when I think about the things we've talked about today, it's helpful to think about the balance around not locking yourself in a cupboard (laughs) and not jumping out from behind the cupboard every five minutes uh, to use those those, that mental model, but also this idea of actually getting support from people, knowing it's about a collective ambition, operating with humility and generosity, and then being adaptable if it's not working in the place you're currently at. Yeah. And lastly, don't forget to live to, oh, not live to work, work to live. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not live to work. Rhonda, I'm, it's so great to speak to you. I hope we can have you back to speak some more about work. Anytime. Love what you're doing. I'm very happy to help you. Thank you. And remember, make good choices. Be aware of what you want and how you're going to get it. Fast Track is produced in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the app or search Fast Track Career Conversations Podcast.